Alright legends, welcome along to a new episode of Scheme Me Up Body. I'm your host, Rodney Stewart. And before we get into this episode, if you want to get in contact with the show, you can do that through the email, schememeupbody at gmail.com. It'll be nice to hear from somebody. Let me know how I'm getting on with this sort of stuff. Uh, not my strongest point, really, is the whole audio thing. I'm more or less uh, happier in a visual setting with videos and short films and that sort of thing. So this is uh, still fairly new to me. And uh, yes... I'm very, very conscious of not having dead space in the episodes. So uh, get in contact, let me know what you think of the show, and check out some of the other stuff on coinsagemedia.com. Everything's over there. All their shows like uh, Hellmouth Hotline, the horror podcast, and uh, the Here's Rodders Vlogs and Reviews podcast, which is like a, a stripped out audio of a couple of different YouTube channels, a vlog channel and a review channel, funnily enough, hence the name Vlogs and Review Podcast. So uh took a lot of thinking and creativity to come up with that name, didn't it? Anyway, we're getting into Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 3. This episode is entitled Assimilation, and we pick up... Directly where we left off at the end of episode 2 Picard and the rest of the crew have been held at Phaser Point By the uh, uh, Seven of Nine's husband In this parallel universe And uh, they're in major trouble So I kind of guessed at the end of the last podcast How the, the heck they were going to get out of this And uh, I was completely wrong <laughs> I thought that they uh, at this point, the Borg Queen has agreed to help them travel back in time, and she's connected, kind of connected to the the ship at this point. So I was thinking she was going to probably use the the ship's holograms to fight against these guys, but that doesn't happen. Agnes is hiding behind her, so I thought she would do something, but she pretty much just connects the Queen up to get them out of there. But it is Seven that steps forward and tries to use her authority as the Madeline, Madam President of the Confederation to try and talk these guys down. But uh, the husband's having none of it. And uh, he challenges her to say to tell him what his actual full name is. And she can't do it. At which point he strikes her with the, the phaser. And uh, her and Rafi fight jump and fight these guys off and take them out so there's not a huge amount happens in this episode really uh, again it's, a, it's another victim of a subtle enough storyline but stretched out in my opinion in this episode but uh, they do in fact escape the confederation to uh, use the slingshot effect around the sun to travel back in time of course we know the Borg Queen has been brought along. She's the only one that can, you know, make the calculations quick enough to actually make this work. So when she's fully connected to the ship, she takes over completely. There's a few starships chasing them. And Rios manages to take one of them out. But before he can do anything else, the Borg Queen actually takes full control of the ship. You know, just everything. And she calculates the 
the coordinates and speed and everything I need to do the slingshot effect uh, while she's doing that she's taken out the other two ships so they travel back in time manage to get to the right point in history and they're going to crash land on earth uh, the Borg Queen uh, uses everything she's got essentially to do this to get them back in time and uh, she's actually and a like a shutdown status at whenever they eventually get the ship to the ground, which is a controlled crash essentially. Um, they were heading directly for Los Angeles, and they couldn't rightly, you know, crash land in the middle of one of the biggest cities on the planet. So Picard gets control of navigation and actually, you know, crash lands the ship on. The vineyard, or his vineyard, essentially. He says, I'm going to take us home. But uh, this is like 400 years previous to Picard's time. So this vineyard has been in his family for centuries. You know, it's just, it's it's not, the situation isn't even brought up about the fact that who owns this vineyard, whether it's his family and whatnot. So the ship seems safe enough there for the meantime. Elnor, uh, poor guy, dies in the crash landing. He takes a shot from one of those guards that came on at the end of the last episode. So he more or less bleeds out, uh, dies in the medical bay. And they can't save him because the medical bay has got no power because of the Borg Queen. She has pretty much taken everything that the ship has to try and repair herself after everything that's happened. She's like, shut down and she's kind of rebooting more or less and uh, this starts a whole new argument and hatred that Rafi's going to have towards Picard because he chose to save the Queen rather than save Elnor and uh, you know duty calls and this is you know, this is another thing that like, I kind of touched on in the last podcast. Is is this what uh, Q is trying to teach Picard? You know, the fact that he's putting his career and his duty ahead of absolutely everything else. That's exactly what Picard does in this episode. So I'm kind of leaning more and more towards that throughout this here. Like, Q, at the end of the day, um, could... If they get to a point in the story where they have completed this test or, you know, whatever he's trying to make them do, he could easily bring Elnor back, changing, you know, reality to back to what it was in the first place. So I'm not ruling out the fact that Elnor's not going to show up again in this series. Very, very high possibility of it. It is science fiction at the end of the day, guys. It's not real life. You know, people die and they can come back if uh, if the story calls for it. There's always a way to write it in there, some way or another, so not losing any tears over poor Elnor in this episode. But Rafi is devastated and she's going to take it out in Picard's ass, essentially. So what they're going to be doing now throughout the rest of the episode. Now, after everything, getting away, travelling back, him dying... 
a few arguments been had back and forth between Rafi and Picard. She has a bit of a go at seven of nine as well. And you know, this this takes up the first half of the entire episode before they actually leave the ship to go looking for this guy, the Watcher, whoever it is that the Borg Queen has told them could help them in this time frame. So Rafi, seven of nine, and Rios get enough power for like a one way beam out. So they're going to beam into the city. Get to the highest point and scan for alien tech. But the transporters aren't accurate. You know, they can get them transported to the city, but they might all not all be in the same spot. So they do end up in three different spots. Uh, Rafi. And this is something that stood out for me. Something she said to Seven of Nine shortly after they beam in. But basically they're in three different parts of the city. Uh, Rafi and Seven of Nine beam in. Okay, they're on the ground. But uh, poor Rios materialises two stories high outside of Bolton and bounces off a fire skip, gets knocked out. So he ends up with a concussion and taken to a medical centre. Which luckily enough for him has been run by this nurse Teresa that is running this thing as like a charity more or less. It's not a hospital, it's like a halfway house medical centre sort of a deal. And she specialises in helping people that can't afford to pay to get treatment. So there's going to be, they specialise in not keeping records and that sort of stuff. So he's lucky enough in that regard. But he gets in the whole mess load of trouble with immigration by the end of the episode. Uh, he loses his comm badge to Teresa's son. And, you know, there's a, there's a moment where he's, you know, having to try to get it off this kid. And, uh, you know, trading off a, a, a plate full of cookies and peanut butter <laughs> to try and get this badge off him. But Teresa steps in takes the badge of the kid and says you're not getting this back until you're ready to leave that way I know you're not going to steal anything but uh, immigration turns up for the end of the episode and he has the chance to get out of the medical centre but he he is it's obvious he's, he's highly attracted to this woman and he decides to put on a, a doctor's coat and pretends tries to pretend to be one of the doctors but uh these guys aren't falling for it at the end of the episode. He's arrested by these immigration officers and taken away. That's where it ends off for him. But Seven of Nine and Rafi, um, they meet up uh, after this guy tries to mug Rafi. And, you know, he pulls a gun on her, give me your money sort of a deal. But, you know, she takes him out. Knocks him unconscious and then she takes his money. Where Seven of Nine turns up. And interestingly... I like the the sequence where Seven of Nine beams into the city. Uh, nobody's seen Rafi or Rios appearing, but there's this little girl, probably eight, nine years old, that's standing right next to Seven of Nine whenever she materialises. And the wee girl smiles at her straight away. And she's like, are you a superhero? And Seven leans over, can you keep my secret? And the wee girl nods and Seven smiles and winks at her and walks away. So there's something I really liked about this episode is the fact that Seven of Nine, for probably the first time in her life, and, you know, Rafi does comment on it that she never, like, you know, you're not comfortable anywhere sort of deal, but in this time frame and everything is happening, 
7 of 9 has been the most laid back we've probably ever seen her and those two scenarios with the wee girl later on in the episode they're trying to get to the top of this highest building they can get to scan for the alien attack and there's a guard stops them on their way to the roof and Seven spins a story about her and Rafi their girlfriends and they want to get up there and recreate a photograph that they had in their first date sort of a deal. So basically Seven flirts her way around this guy to get him to let him go and get up on the roof to do whatever they need to do. And it is and she when he leaves she comments that wow strangers never like me sort of a thing. So between that and the little girl asking her was she a superhero Seven, of course, in this reality, uh, was never assimilated by the Borg. And she, so, because of that, now she's walking about, she doesn't have any of the implants left, there's not the, the metal on her hand, there isn't the metal around the side of her eye. So people, for the, probably the first time in her life, since she was a small, small child, people are looking at her like, she was never part of the collective like she's a normal woman and she's she's loving it. She's eating it up. That's all good. Um, the big interesting part of the story for me was Picard and uh, the Borg Queen and Gerati. And their mission in this episode is to get her activated again so they can figure out where this watcher's at, get coordinates off her. And it's uh, why they... The episode is called Assimilation. It's kind of mirrored in that story of Seven of Nine dealing with the, the reality of what she'd like if she was never assimilated. But in this episode, Gerati has to... She comes up with the idea of... You know, she's scanned through the Borg Queen, everything that's going on here. Like, she's, she's not functioning. She's just sitting there, or hanging there, I should say. Uh... There was an interesting part in the earlier in the episode where she actually falls out of the restraints that they have her and of course she's there's no legs and there's nothing from the waist down and she's crawling across the floor. That effect is so well done in this episode. It's amazing. It stands up there in any of the movies these days. TV is for a lot of shows right now, I kinda feel that TV and the streaming shows are giving like the, the Hollywood blockbuster a real run for its money at the moment. And the visual effects in the Star Trek shows right now are top of the flipping line. Really, really good. But anyway, she realises that there's a part of the Borg Queen's mind that is fully active and she's like, you know, it's almost as if she's speaking but she's not... Like her body's not doing anything, but her mind is trying to speak. And Picard is like, you know, well, and the collective, of course, he was caught by the Borg at one point and transformed into Locutus as their spokesperson way back in uh, the early seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation. I want to say the end of season two, last episode of season two, last, or first episode of season three. I want to say it, I hope I'm right on that, I'm really delving on the back of my mind, there's a lot of Star Trek to keep him up with here, but I do believe that's where it, it happened, the end of season 2, start of season 3, um, if not, end of season 3, start of season 4, 
but I'm leaning towards end of season two, start of season three. So that's a lot of numbers to be thrown at you. I do apologise, but Gerardi comes up with the idea that uh, if she can connect up to the Borg Queen, she can repair her from the inside and hopefully get the information they need. And you know, like, like, it's essentially what they're doing as like the the technological version of a Vulcan mind meld. You know, connect the two minds together, sort of a deal. So that's what they do. Picard is very much against it. He argues the point for a good chunk of the episode, but uh, he is like you know assimilation for somebody new. You know, he can't do it because he was abducted. He was assimilated by the Borg, uh, changed into Lucutus, and you know he still had part of his own. Self awareness, he wasn't a full conversion essentially, but uh, he says because of that, the Boar Queen knows his mind. And whereas someone new been assimilated, the, the process could take a few hours for him, it could take moments because they, if he gets assimilated again, they already know how to get around all his mental safeguards, let's just say. And he could be assimilated in an instant. So that was an interesting new take on it there for that part of it. But uh, he eventually agrees to let her in there. But you know he can keep in contact with her. Her subconscious is going to be active the whole time she's connected to the Queen. So it's an interesting sequence with uh, Gerardi and like a kind of a trance. I should have muted my phone before we started this I do apologise for this guys but uh, it is what it is <laughs> so it's it's a great little sequence where you know she's essentially giving Picard a, a blow by blow of what's going on in her mind and the Borg Queen is in there she's checking through all these different rooms and Gerardi's mind, she gets into anger and Gerardi starts to express anger that she has towards Picard and some of the things that he's done, some of his personality traits. And uh, I'm just going to mute this thing before we go any further. So she's delving into some sort, some of the things there that are very swift, but also brings up character traits of Picard's that probably back up what Q is actually trying to do throughout the series and he pops up once in this episode to kind of taunt Picard in the time travel sequence and he's like this is the only life you've ever known and uh, let's see what else has been lost in the wake of your fear sort of a deal so uh, yes throughout the conversation here she, she goes through the, the anger stage then the Borg Queen gets into the sadness centre of her mind and Gerardi brings up a lot of stuff and almost Almost, she doesn't exactly say it, but she almost says that, uh, she, you know, she almost brings, like, you know, she could uh, end it all very quick. You know, there's a lot of stuff happened in the past for this character, and she's got a lot of regrets and whatnot, and just everything in general. And she could quite easily, like, go to sleep and sleep it away, sort of a deal. So it's a, it's a smoother way of saying something a lot worse which I don't really want to say on this podcast. But uh, the further on we get, the more she's rebuilding or restarting the Borg Queen from the inside. The Borg Queen is in turn 
infiltrating Girardi and more or less trying to assimilate her from the inside out. But uh, the further on we go, the Borg Queen starts to activate and Girardi at one point speaks in like the voice of the Borg Queen and the Borg Queen speaks in Girardi's voice. So like they, they're very much connected through this technological mind meld, at which point Picard breaks it off and the Borg Queen ends up fully conscious. And they're in a time frame now where the the timeline hasn't been changed yet. So they're in the normal timeline, which makes her more better connected to what she is normally. So there's no... uh, This is the Borg Queen at at the height of what she is at this point. And uh, there's no bargaining with her at all. And she tackles the cutest, as in, you know, you're going to have to put something on the table for me. Uh, you know, I would like legs for a start, the, a multitude of voices to drown out the silence. But I will settle for your ship. So she is, you know, just demanding that Picard hands over absolutely everything to her for this information that he really needs. Uh, Drati at this point is unconscious. But she eventually wakes up and uh, Picard falls her in on what's happening. The Borg Queen's fully awake, but, you know, same leopard, same spot, more or less. And Gerardi's like, well, if that's the case, we don't need to keep her activated. (laughs) So uh, the last thing you're expecting, really, at the end of the episode is Gerardi getting the upper hand of the Borg Queen after everything that happened and the the assimilation attempt by the Queen uh, Gerardi came out the better off for it so she actually while she was in there repairing the Queen she managed to get hold of the coordinates of this watcher and uh, pretty much all the information they need uh, you know and she does kind of have the what happens to the timeline in there, but she can't really put her finger on it. So it's it's interesting at the end of the episode where the Borg Queen gets really, really angry and says to her, like, you know, this is, you've just done one of the most difficult and vastly dangerous things ever. And they're like, what's that? And she says, you've impressed me. So uh, the Borg Queen is going to have her eye on Gerardi throughout the rest of this series. Or however long she's in there, this could be a a replacement for Picard and Lucutus. This could be the uh, potentially another Borg Queen for the collective. And the the Borg Queen's eyes, like, uh, obviously, there's more than the one Borg Queen. That's that's one of these things that I, I always kind of question throughout the show: is there just the one Queen, or are there you know multiple Queens within the the Borg collective? As I've said before on the show, I'm a fan of Star Trek, lifelong fan, but I'm not one of these fans that have, you know, delved incredibly deeply into the show. It's just like if it's on, I'll watch it, and the rewatchability factor of the the older shows are immense. And literally, like I can't pass them up if I'm flicking through channel on TV. So I might come across an episode. Even if it's at stupid at o'clock and I have to get up stupidly early in the morning and go to work, I will sit and watch an episode of Star Trek. No question about it. It'll have to be done. So uh, that's pretty much uh, this episode in a nutshell. But uh, absolutely fantastic. I'm loving it. 
Uh, I just wish it would give us more per episode. You know, when you think about the... If you hit all the points that the first three episodes have hit to this point, there's not actually a lot has happened in the series so far. Like, I don't see why this couldn't have been a two-part instead of a three-parter. You know, it's... I don't know. I said I said it before in the last episode, and I don't want to be beating the same drum on every podcast. But uh, I'm a bigger fan of the older storytelling than the new storytelling at this point. But in saying that, the story they're telling at the minute is a very, very interesting one. I just think they're about maybe five steps behind where they could have been at this point. But again, I'm in it for the long run. Guys, that's going to do it for this episode. I hope you did enjoy it. Please rate and review the podcast. Hit that follow button. I would love it if you jump on here and uh, help me out with the show. And again, check out some of the other stuff I'm doing on coinsagemedia.com. The website's got absolutely everything over there that I'm putting out. I'm trying to uh, put out multiple shows and a week across all platforms right now. I'm, I'm in that period of my life where I'm just wanting to grow my own personal stuff right now and see where it takes me. So I can't do it without you guys being there to support the shows and, you know, share them along if you do like them. So please start tweeting, throw it up on whatever social media you work with i would highly highly appreciate it guys until the next episode stay safe this has been a production of coins age media thank you so much for listening 